I'm using a hymn book. High five. <laughs> Whether you're going to use older songs or newer songs, they better lift up Jesus Christ. They better be based in scriptural truth. And you better sing them like you believe them. And, and look, we're not, we're not against newer songs. And we, we do things and, and need to continue to work at doing things to introduce newer songs to our congregation. And there's ways you can do that. But I want to encourage you with this. You don't need something new to be excited. Because the truth is, what we're excited about isn't new. It's timeless truth. And choosing to be excited is exactly that. It's a choice. And to sing it. And so you need to sing it like you believe it. And I want to, here's why. God is worthy of it, number one. He, he deserves you to sing, praise him with intensity. Number two, it is convincing to those who are uncertain about faith in Jesus Christ. It is a witness. When you sing it like you believe it, it is a witness that, man, they really believe this. I wonder why. I'm telling, that's in the Bible. It actually is. So he's worthy of being lifted up. All right, verse 36. For our guest, this is chapter, or this is message number 60 in our series in Luke. And we're beginning this morning, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees, this was a member of the religious elite, the religious establishment, do not confuse religious with godly. One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And I love Jesus' accessibility here. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. This implies that she is publicly known for a lifestyle that was a reproach to God. We're we're talking about someone who had lived a life of very ill repute, and she's known for it. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, And began to wash his feet with tears. And did wipe them with the hairs of her head. And kissed his feet. And anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. He's thinking this, saying, this man, referring to Jesus, if he were a prophet would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. By the way, this kind of gives us insight into what his motive was and was not for inviting him to eat with at his house. He wasn't there to get to know Jesus. He was there to find something to be critical of Jesus about. In verse 40, and Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he's conceited, and, and he wants to have a good physical perception. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, get it, get it, get it. One owed 50, one owed 500, but they were both in debt that they could not pay. So we look at that this way. 
the reality, it's actually this. Because whether you owe one or you owe a million, if you can't pay it back, you're still in debt for something you can't pay back. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. So he's looking at the woman. He turns to the woman and he says to Simon, Simon, hey, Simon, pay attention. And then he starts looking at the woman who would have kind of been behind him at his feet. They would have been in a more reclined position in that custom where they're almost half sitting, half laying over on an elbow and they're eating and their feet pushed away from the table towards the back. This woman there, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. And that's a reference to a very cheap and readily available olive oil that would have been common in just about every home. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment, referring to this very lavish and expensive alabaster box. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Don't think you understand what that means. Well, yeah, that means if I haven't done a lot of bad, then I'm not going to love him as much. No, 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 no. Remember, whether you owe 50 or 500, it's a debt you can't pay. Verse 48, he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. I love verse 49, and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? That's a really good question. Thankfully, we have an answer. And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Here's the title, the gratitude of the forgiven. The gratitude of the forgiven. You may be seated. This time we're going to have a trio from Miss Jess, um, Alexandra, and Ashlyn. It's a great song. I'm just warning y'all, I may have you sing it twice. for 
going to just keep playing. Y'all just stay there. So this is what I think about. Um, we don't, we do not have specials just to check something else off the box. It, and it doesn't matter the special. It doesn't matter who's singing it. I, just, I'm, I was thinking about Miss Holly getting up here singing. I was thinking about the, the men's quartet getting up here singing. I think about the choir getting up here singing. And yeah, so we have our specials so we can check it off the box. No, we have, it's a different way to lift him up. Let me just, let me read through the course for you. I am hope, I am peace, I am joy, I am rest, your comfort, relief from your stress, strength, your faith, your love, your power, and your freedom. And then it makes this statement this very hour. And I started thinking about, while they were singing that, I started thinking about people who have gone through great relational hardship like, if, if this was different, then I could have rest. I think about people that are right now, this very hour, battling cancer. And if I didn't have this, then I could have life and I could have rest. Think about people who have loved ones in heaven. And if I could just have them here, then my heart wouldn't, wouldn't be as broken. But I'm telling you, if you have him, no, if you have him, then you have all that you need. I didn't say that you have all that you want, but you have all that you need, and you have a hope that does not fade away. And I'm afraid that we approach these times, whether it's the congregational singing or the preaching, and we just hear it like, yeah, that's a good truth, and we don't consider how it applies to where we are. And I think about what Jesus said when he was being criticized. He said, before Abraham was, I am meaning I am Jehovah, I am the self-existent, eternal God, and everything that you need, even in this very moment, I am the answer for that. Man, we just don't let ourselves get stirred up about it. We get distracted, and we don't make application to it. I just want them to sing it again. Maybe we'll sing it a third time. Like, are you going to preach? Yes. But we need to focus in on who he is this morning. He is the I am. And he can be your I am. Man, can, I just, can I just talk about one more thing? And I hope, I hope this is okay. Nobody knows. This is not a mystery to anybody. Brother Z and Miss Rachel's desire to have children. It's not, it's not a mystery. They have longed for it and prayed for it. And rejoiced with others when they had children while still dealing with their own not having children and what the converse she can tell you this the conversations we have had over and over and over again Jesus can satisfy you even without this but you have to let him this morning it's all about lifting him up I'm not saying you don't pray for things I'm saying you understand that he's the solution that you need and that satisfies no matter what else is going on so lift it up one more time ladies he's worthy of it for sure shepherd i am the door i am the good news to the bound and the poor i am i am 
thankful for it. Thank you, ladies, for singing. We, we are here to interact with him in every opportunity, the offering, the handshaking, the music. It's all an opportunity to interact with him. And now as we open his word, it's another way to interact with him. I don't buy gifts for my wife the way that I should. I'm saying that up front. You're like, well, is this confessional time? No, I just need to give context to this. I don't buy gifts for her the way that I should. And uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in any way indicating that I do a great job of this. But even though I, don't, I, I admittedly don't do it the way that I should, I do try. And, uh, and while it's not what it should be, there is effort or there is evidence of effort. But I have a problem. I, I'll go into a store, um, and uh, there'll be something that I want to get. And so the clerk will come up. Like, just imagine we're, I'm going into a jewelry store, and the jeweler asks, so what's your budget? They don't really care. They're, they're just trying to figure out where to start with you to get you where they want you to be. And so you, you throw out the number, whatever the budget is, and then they start showing you all of these things. Well, here's my problem. I, I, I look at the price tag, but then I think about my wife. <laughs> okay, you're not with me. Yeah. Okay, I think, I look at the price tag and I'm like, that's way, over, that's way over the amount that I wanted to spend. And I'm not saying it would be wrong. It'd probably be right responsible to stay within the budget. I'm just confessing my problem here to you. 
I look, I look at the price that I look at the price tag and I'm like that well I'm not I'm not going to do that but then I think about this eight kids You know how many of them I had Yeah right okay some of you are like I don't I don't know Are you a birthing person No it's called a woman and a man and I am a man and she is a woman Sorry sorry moving on anyway Okay, do you, do you, let me ask again. Do you know how many of those eight children I had? I had somebody ask me this the other day. Um, so you're married and you have eight kids. Are, are all of those y- yours? I don't know. We found a couple at the pound, and then we picked up some over there. And I mean, they were giving them away at Chick-fil-A for a promotion one day, so we dressed up like a cow, and they gave us a free kid. I mean, no, those are actually, those are, those are all from Andrea and I, and, and she, gave, she gave birth eight different times to eight different human beings. Then I think about this, 21 years. Like, look, you get annoyed with me after uh, like five hours on Sunday. Yes, yeah. <laughs> going to move over here now. <laughs> 21 years. Now, I don't, I don't live my life trying to be a pain in the neck, but I do, I, I, I do have a, enough self-awareness, I think, to recognize that not everything about me is fun and not everything about me is easy to deal with. And, and there are tendencies and flaws that I have that can make life difficult. And if they make it difficult on those who are around me for limited amounts of time, then it's naturally only going to increase the difficulty when you're around me the most. And I think about that. I think about how she has made this statement to me over and over again. Babe, as long as you can tell me that you're going where God wants us to go, I'm with you. And, she's, and, and, and it's been without complaint. And it's been with no strings attached. And it's been with no effort to manipulate. And it's been with no demands of providing her with a certain level of life. It's been, sweetheart, I just want to serve God and I want to do with you. And wherever we go, as long as you can tell me this is where God wants, I'm in all the way. And she's done that every time. So I'm sitting there looking at that price tag and I'm thinking, budget? And then I'm thinking about babe. I am not sure. I'm not sure you're there. I'm thinking about a dollar value. And then I'm thinking about a life. You know what ends up happening? And this has happened more than once. It doesn't matter how much it costs. Because of what she's done for me. Now we have a second mortgage, and that's another comp. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding about it. It's a joke. That was completely a joke. There, there's another anointing in the Gospels by a lady named Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. This is not that anointing. That one took place in Matthew 26, Mark 14, John 12. I, at least I personally believe it's a separate instance. This took place in Galilee, not Bethany. It's something interesting about our character, these two characters here. The religious hypocrite is named, we find his name in verse 40, when Jesus calls him by name and says, Simon. But this woman, we don't know her name. But what we do know is that she was known 
for living a life of sin. Now, you've got to recognize that the Pharisee here, he's a part of this religious elite establishment, and he is not here to learn about Jesus as he revealed his motives in the way he was thinking. He is here simply to find something about Jesus that he can criticize. And so these are the characters that are interacting with Jesus. An obviously sinful woman and an obviously self-righteous man. The setting is that this Pharisee has asked Jesus, this Pharisee named Simon has asked Jesus to come and eat at his house. And I mentioned this, I I love the accessibility of Jesus Christ. And And it didn't matter whether it was someone like Zacchaeus who knew how wretched he was and, and yet just continued in that life for a time, or someone like this Pharisee who Jesus knew what his motive would be before he even thought it. Jesus was accessible and wanted every sinner everywhere to have a relationship with him, to have a life with him. And so during this meal and this conversation, they would kind of be, as I've already mentioned, in this reclined position. And I don't, I don't understand the cultural norms, but it seems that she comes in during while this meal is going on and and she's not she's she's not officially recognized in any way and I don't I don't understand the norms that would have allowed her to come in and to have access obviously this Pharisee wasn't just hosting Jesus but there were many there you see that in verse 49 and they that sat at meet with him so this is a setting where a lot of people are in here and maybe the Pharisee advertised it in this way hey I'm going to have Jesus over and and you are welcome to come and maybe it was kind of like a community event or a neighborhood event and so there are many people here and somehow this woman hears about it this unnamed woman of of a a wicked lifestyle she hears about this and and she gets access and comes in and so with the reclined position being this way she comes and is standing there or kneeling there at his feet well during this point this woman in verse number 38 begins to pour herself out to him it actually starts in verse 37 when it describes what she brought she begins she's just standing there okay i want you to I want you to get the scene of me, just for a moment, get the scene of me standing in a jewelry store looking at a price tag, and then starting to think about my wife. You got it? I'm sitting there thinking about a number, but then I start thinking about a person. I, I know, I, and, and look, I'm not trying to guilt anybody, I'm just, I'm just telling you what goes through my mind, and sometimes I do stick with the budget. But I, I, I think about a number and then I think about all the times I've asked her to forgive me and she has. I think about how she's, she's loved me when, I had, to, when I, I had to do hard things. I think about how she submitted to me and followed me. I think about how she pours into our children. I think about how she helps our children have a good attitude. I think about the countless amounts of food and laundry and cleaning and, and in educational investments and the way she pours into other people. I think about that and I just, I'm looking at that number, but I just start getting emotional. No, I'm not trying to be a weirdo, and the clerk's probably like, what are you crying about, dude? I'm not, I'm just offering you jewelry to buy. I'm just, not you. <laughs> Still, you got it? Okay, here's the Savior. 
Mm. You can't put a price tag on that. Here's the Savior, and here's this sinner. No, she's not like the Pharisee. No, people would look at, at the external appearance of the Pharisee and say, obviously, she's not like the Pharisee. No, 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 no. She's not like the Pharisee in this. She knows what she's guilty of. And she's looking at the Savior. And she, she has some understanding of who he is and of what, he comes, what he's come to do. And she, is, she just begins to weep. No, I want you to see it. In the Middle East during that time, they didn't, they didn't have covered shoes. It was sandals. And their feet picked up every bit of dust and grime and dirt. And so not only the natural grossness of feet sweating, but as their feet sweat and as their legs would sweat and as that sweat would run down their bodies and would pull up on their feet and on their toes, the dirt would mix in it and, and it would just be caked. And her tears begin to flow. And she's looking at his feet. And in, and in Bible times, the lowest of the servants would wash feet. No, you, you, you never touch somebody else's feet unless you were demonstrating how much superior they were to you and how humble you were. And so her tears begin to fall. And maybe she gets down on, an, on her knees in those, so that her face can be closer to his feet and as she's weeping with such intensity the tears are flowing with such freedom that it's almost like a water spigot and it begins to fall on his feet and then because she doesn't have a towel she literally takes the the part of her that is one of the most precious parts of her and listen you you understand this as women the degree that you go to to take care of your hair and how you try to protect it and how you try to care for it. She literally is weeping and then she takes her hair out, which in itself would have been a very taboo custom. She pulls her hair out and then she begins to take the hair as her tears spill over his dirty, filthy feet and she she begins to wipe off the muck and the mud And she begins to kiss them. And some people would look at this. Listen, I've dealt with this before. But some people would look at that kind of expression. And they say, oh man, this this has some kind of sexual overtone. No, it has nothing to do with that. You got to understand the culture of that day. This this would be similar to in, in a different chapter in Luke. When the prodigal returned to the father. And the father kissed him. You can find this in Acts Later on, when Paul is leaving the Ephesian leaders and they kiss him goodbye, it, it was a customary greeting. It was a way to express that you love someone. We're not, we're not talking about something weird. And you know, I thought about bringing Brother Feovi up here and demonstrating it, but I won't. Today, I mean, today we do, we do the bro hug thing. Okay, now some of you don't. You're like, I'm uncomfortable with that. But man, I hug you. You dudes, I hug y'all. A few of you were like, yeah, okay, we'd be like, yeah, I remember the first time I hugged some of y'all. And it was like, what is he doing? Because Brother Hetzer, that's, he didn't do that as much. I was just like, oh, I love you, bro. No, that's, instead of, oh, I love you, bro, it's, oh, I love you, bro. Just on the cheek. 
No, again, don't make this something inappropriate. It was a way of greeting, but then it was with the, it, it was the most precious part of her in the most physically, the most vile part of him. And she's kissing him, and then she takes this box, this alabaster box, and the estimates go from a few thousand to several thousand. However much the dollar amount today would be, it was far more than what she easily had access to, which implies there was great effort, either, either in, in, in saving up for it or in, in selling common goods that she had had access to to buy it and bring it in. But she's there, and as she's weeping, and the tears continue to flow, and his feet begin to show their natural color because all the dirt is washed off, and she dries them with her hair and kisses them with, with her mouth in, in a way that was customary to the day. She then takes this ointment and pours it out, and all of these people are watching this scene, and this is, this is the view of that religious expert. He sees this, and this is his thought. If he knew what kind of woman it was that was doing that to him, he wouldn't let her touch him. He, he is no prophet. People are running around talking about how this is someone amazing from God. If he was really from God, he would not let her do that because he would know what she's guilty of. Well, Jesus understands this. He understands both what she is doing and understands how he is processing it. And so Jesus confronts it, beginning in verse 40. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. So he tells a story about a creditor. I know I've already talked about it, but please get it. You have a creditor and two subjects owed him. One owed him 500 pence, another owed him 50 pence. I don't know these, these measurements exactly, and so they're off, but just for the sake of context, compare 50 cents or 50 pence to a month's wages and 500 pence to a year's wages. So you have one that owes the equivalent of a year's wage, you have another that owes the equivalent of a month's wage. But here's what they have in common. You would look at the one that owes 500 and say, obviously, he owes him a whole lot more. And you would look at the one that owes 50 and say, he owes him a whole lot less. It's one thing to owe a month's wage, but he owes 12 months worth of wages. And so that's a lot more. But here's where it's similar. Here's where they are on equal ground. It doesn't matter that the number is smaller over here because his ability to repay it is the same as his ability to repay it. Neither one of them have the ability to repay it. They are both incapable of paying for their debt. They're both incapable. So Jesus asked a question that makes us think, that, that can make us come to the wrong conclusion, but it was actually revealing the heart of the Pharisee. He, said, he asked the question, who will love most? And so he, he answers the question, well, I suppose the one that was forgiven the most. And so then Jesus confronts him with this reality. Simon, I showed up at your house, and it is a common courtesy to give guests a bowl of water to at least step in and wash their feet off. But you didn't even do that. 
Simon, it is a common courtesy to greet someone that is a guest in your home with a kiss in a cultural, normal way there so that they know you're happy that you're at their house. But you didn't do that for me. Simon, it is a common courtesy to provide the basic olive oil that is easily accessible in our day just for some anointing and maybe just this idea of freshening up. But you haven't even provided these basic common courtesies that you are to give to every guest that comes into your home. But this woman, this woman has washed my feet with her tears and with her hair. This woman has ceased not to kiss my feet. This woman took something that could be up to could be worth up to a year's wages and she poured it not on my head, but she poured it on the lowest, the dirtiest part of my body. She poured it on my feet. And the reason is, Simon, because she has been forgiven for much. And she loves much because she's been forgiven for much. But then he says this in verse 47. Or excuse me, verse... Ver, yeah, verse 47. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now this is what we think. We look at that and we think, oh, that means if I haven't done anything really bad, like that woman... Stay with me, we're almost there. If I haven't done anything really bad like that woman, then naturally I'm not going to be expected to love Jesus with the same intensity because he hasn't had to forgive me for as much. And if that's the conclusion you come to, you are completely missing the point of this interaction. No, can I just, can I give you an illustration? I'm going to use, I'm going to use my daughter for Ashlyn. Come up here, sweetie. I don't, I don't want to be offensive, so I'll just use someone in my own family. Come here, and she can just get over it. Okay, I, I, I wish I could physically just change some certain dynamics. Uh, please get this. Okay, s- stop seeing a pastor's kid and, and see someone who has lived their life on the street. No, see someone whose body bears the marks of that life. They bear the marks of the abuse. They bear the marks of the addiction. They bear the marks of the oppression. They bear the marks of the misuse. They struggle to make eye contact because they've never known what it's like to look in the eyes of another man and and to actually be valued because you're a person. No, do you understand what I'm talking about? No, see, see her. And she comes to Jesus. And Jesus forgives her completely. Oh, mm. oh, by the way, Jesus will forgive anybody anywhere of anything if they're willing to come to him. He's not willing that any should perish. Mm. But then over here, I'll use, no, I'm going to use Brother Fiavai. Get up here, you hypocrite. Let's go. Come over here, sinner. Come up here, religious elite. You have the sinner, and then you have the religious elite. Oh, from the outside, he's got it together. No, he probably has a wife, has some kids, and because he cares about his reputation, he's not going to let them run around like hooligans. But he's not necessarily training them to love God. He's training them to not embarrass him. 
Now, you don't know that. You just see kids that don't go crazy, and so you're like, oh, he's doing a good job. But God sees deeper. You know what else God sees? God sees the fact that here is a woman who needed someone to love her and to help her and to use the law of God to minister to her and to reach her, but he's using the law of God to oppress and to enrich and to protect his own position. Man, look how good he looks. Look how sharp he is. Look how dignified he is. And this guy is thinking, you know what? I don't have much to be given for. But Jesus, the point Jesus is making is this. You have sins that you have covered up with certain, with certain physical aesthetics. But in your heart, you are still broken before God. And where you judge her for a lifestyle, you have bitterness, you have resentment, you have selfishness, you have lust. You probably even have, as we'll find out later from the woman that was caught in adultery, you probably have interactions that you've just covered up and that people don't know about that are less visible. It's not that you've been forgiven for less, it's that you think you're less guilty. Do you get it? It's not that he actually is forgiven for less. It's just that he thinks he's less guilty. And when you think you're less guilty, you place less value on the one who died for you. I know I've said this so many times. It took the same cross. It took the same blood. It took the same nails. It took the same whip. It took the same loneliness of bearing my sin to save me as it did any prostitute that's ever lived on the street. You know what the problem today is with the religious experience? Do you know why we get bored singing in the cross it's because we think we have less to be given forgiven for we gotta, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the kind of church that we're trying to be in fact I believe in it brother sharp Amen. in the way that we're trying to do things in the order and the reverence and in the certain expectations that we have for leadership Man, I'm not ashamed of those. The kind of music that we use, that doesn't mean I'm critical of what other people do. That just means what we're doing, we're doing on purpose. And I love to talk to people about it. Not angry about it, not bitter. Don't think we're better than anybody. I just, I believe in the kind of church that we are trying to be. This is being born out of a a sense of conviction based on the truth of the word of God. But please get this. I am not any better. It did not take any less to save me than it did the worst human being that you can think of right now. And whatever lifestyle you want to think of, whatever behavior that disgusts you, whatever lifestyle that breaks your heart, whatever broken, lost person that you've seen whose life has been wrecked by sin, it took the same amount of love and sacrifice to rescue me as it did them. Here's what I'm saying. I'm just as guilty of it as everybody else. No, before God, I'm just 
as guilty because it took the same Savior and the same sacrifice and the same resurrection to make salvation possible for me as it did for anyone who's ever lived a broken and wrecked lifestyle. Here's our problem, and y'all can go sit down. Thank you for helping me. Here's our problem, that we view ourselves as owing less. But the truth is, it took the same amount of forgiveness to save you as it did anybody else. Here's the here's this statement. Understanding forgiveness produces lavish expression of affection. I understand that doesn't rhyme and pop like they do sometimes. Why don't you get it? Understanding forgiveness produces lavish lavish expressions of affection. You know what's going on in a store when I'm thinking about my wife? I'm getting stirred up by how good God has been to me through that woman. And I just, I can't buy her enough. You know what happened to this woman? Standing at his feet? Mm, I can't do enough. I can't weep enough. I can't kiss enough. I can't buy enough expensive ointment. Let me, let me finish this. There's, there was some criticism of him because she says that her sins which are many are forgiven her. And, and they say, who is this that forgives sins also? I love it that he didn't say God forgives your sins. He said your sins are forgiven. And they say, who is this that forgives sins? Well, it's amazing theological truth. He is God. And so he actually can forgive sins. And she didn't need to wait for her sins to be forgiven. Her sins were forgiven. But then notice this in verse 50. Don't get this confused. She, he says this to her, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. He wasn't saying that the act saved you. The act was evidence of the faith. The act was evidence of her recognition that I've been forgiven. Oh, please get this. We do not do these things to be saved. We do them or we should do them because we are saved. They should be an outpouring of hearts that are overwhelmed because of our gratitude for his forgiveness and the affection, the lavish affection that it should produce in our lives. The act is not what saved her. The act is what gave expression to the evidence that she had been forgiven. Understanding forgiveness produces lavish expressions of affection. So you have two people here. You have the critical. A critical spirit is never okay with God. And if you live your life with a critical spirit, it's evidence of one or two things. You don't understand your forgiveness or you're not forgiven. No, 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 no. It's not my job to tell anybody that they're saved or not. I'm just looking at what the text says and and his critical spirit towards another sinner and his critical spirit towards what Jesus was doing in another sinner's life was evidence of the fact that he one did not understand forgiveness or two himself was not forgiven. And when you live your life with a resentful spirit towards other people, or you live your life with a resentful spirit about what Jesus is doing in the lives of other people, that is is evidence of one of two things. 
Either you don't understand how you have been forgiven or you aren't actually forgiven. You know what you are? You're arrogant. Critical people are arrogant. And they don't understand how much God has done for them. And they think that they are entitled to think less of someone else. I obviously need to park it right here for a moment. I do not mean that we don't deal with hard things. I do not mean that things don't need to be corrected. But man, Jesus loves Jesus loves all people. I think, oh man, Jesus wants all people to be saved. I, I, we, we are so bored with this. And, and we are so inundated with all the other things we have going on. But you don't, you don't cross paths with anyone that Jesus doesn't have a desire to save if they would allow him to save them. He loves people. He wants people. And yet we can become critical in our thinking, whether it be here or in, in the communities in which we live. And, and we're critical. Not, and it's not that things shouldn't be done differently or better, but it's having a heart that cares for people and it's being motivated to love people and to love Jesus. And when you are constantly being critical, you have either forgotten how much or misunderstood how you've been forgiven or you're not forgiven. Can, okay, I'll be honest about myself for a moment. There have been times, I'll just, I'll just keep it in the family. There have been times, contrary to popular opinion, where Andrea actually was guilty of doing something wrong. Uh, yeah, right. I don't need you to agree with that. Man, I can get all worked up. Can't believe treat me I'm going to put on my suit and get my Bible out no 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 you know what I'm forgetting just two hours before how she forgave me Uh, it's not that I'm not forgiven it's that I forget how forgiven I am you get nasty with people. I'm not telling you you're not saved. I'm just saying a critical spirit is a characteristic of the unforgiven. And sometimes we're critical as God's children because we forget how forgiven we are. Here are the characteristics of the forgiven. Number one, forgiveness is not an act. It's by faith. Acts don't save you. Faith saves you and produces the acts that are worthy of salvation. Man, can I tell you, man, I love Brother Fiavai's reference. You had a week off last week. That was a reference to church in the park, and we didn't receive an offering. Apparently, we need to next year anyway. <laughs> you say, man, what are these people doing? They get up, and they come in, and they drop this offering in the offering plate. Look, they're not given to a pastor. They're not given to a board. They're not giving to a church. This is the vehicle that God has given us to give back to him in order to be a part of an eternal work. Jesus is worthy of such lavishness. Number two, those who are forgiven, they don't have to be known. I love it that we don't know her name. Now, some of you get all spun up about that. Listen, just because her name's not mentioned doesn't mean Jesus didn't know it. No, Jesus knew her name. 
And just because it wasn't being broadcast all over social media, and just because she didn't have a blue check mark by her name, and just because thousands of people weren't reading about her name and she wasn't being asked to sign hundreds of Bibles, that doesn't mean that she wasn't known and valuable to Jesus. And those who are forgiven, they don't have to be known by everybody. They are thankful to be known by God. I am your child, and I am redeemed, and I am washed, and I am forgiven, and it is enough that you know my name. Here's the last characteristic. They find ways to pour out to Jesus. Okay, listen. We're almost done. I'm landing the plane. Please, please get this. You know, this is, I, and I don't think I'm off on this. I've experienced this in my own life, and then in talking to other people, I believe this is true. You know, you know why some of you have never come to an altar to pray? It's because you've ceased to remember how much you've been forgiven for. No, 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 no. We're not going to be a church where you've got to hit the altar. That's, that's between you and God, and even this morning, it's between you and God. I just think if you're in a church for enough years, there ought to be some point in your life when you pray. Well, I'm praying standing. Well, is God not worthy of humbling yourself at some point? And it might do your kids some good to see their dad or their mom humble themselves and pray. No, 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 no. I love, on Sunday nights especially, I love it that kids come and pray. But it'd be really good if some parents came and prayed too. Hey, I, listen, I understand this isn't popular. I'm just telling you. You know, you might not have as much trouble singing out if you thought about how much you were forgiven for. Ms. G. Young, since you're basically the only one who said that's right right there, let me just talk with you for a moment. No, no, Ms. G. Well, I've talked about Ms. G. Young and the hardship that she's been through that's not of her own making. But you know what Ms. G. Young doesn't live her life doing? She doesn't live her life thinking about other people who need to be forgiven. She lives her life rejoicing in how she needed to be forgiven and how she got all the forgiveness that she could ever need. Mm. You know what she does? She praises. I mean, she's got a strong enough accent. I'm not sure you always understand what she's singing. And I think maybe sometimes she switches, she switches languages on us. I mean, I've, she's done it with me. Get mad at me and start saying things that I can't possibly interpret. Like, what'd you say? I said, I love you, Pastor. Yeah, right. He's, no, you know why we get bored with praising him? Because we don't remember how much it took to forgive us. You, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. that. That's too much. Well, look at how much he's forgiven you for. No, I'm, 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 I'm coming in. You know, you know what your problem is? Why you won't ever talk to somebody new? Well, you don't know the personality disorders I have. You're right and don't care. No, please, I'm making eye contact. I don't care. Because if you would get a handle on how much God loves you, it would help you to appreciate how much God loves other people. And you'd get over yourself. And even if you fumbled the ball a few times, you'd still be able to say, hey, I'm thankful you're here. Expressing it. And go clean a toilet. Hey, and this, 
for the sake of time, I'm going to park it. But this should have application in your home, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your kids, how you treat your parents. No, I think I will talk about this for a second. Man, some of you kids, you get self-righteous. Some of you girls get self-righteous and entitled. And you act like your parents should never make a mistake. And you fail to forget all of the things that they have forgiven in your life. And sit here and cry and feel sorry for ourselves because our mom and dads, no, yet no, we want to feel sorry for ourselves because the parents in our lives aren't perfect. Well, neither are the kids in our lives, and you ought to, you ought to have a forgiving spirit remembering that if Jesus saved you, then you can love people. Man, this is good stuff right here. You don't know how bad I want to take off again, but I said I'd land it. I said I'd land it. Uh, don't tempt me, Miss Bev. Understanding forgiveness produces lavish expression of affection. (laughs) So the the last time this happened with Andrea, she said, I just want to make sure you understand. I just want to make sure you understand. I'd be okay if you never did stuff like this. I don't expect it. I just, babe, you're worth it. And you're worth so much more. Hey, hey, he, he is worth so much more. How much of what you're giving to Jesus right now can be described as lavish expression of affection? Or are you even struggling to give him the bare minimum? We, we, we think we have checked off a list because we sit in a service. You know how to call that bare minimum. But you could make this experience a lavish expression if you'd really pour yourself into it. If you'd be more concerned about interacting with him than you are with time. If you'd be more concerned with loving people than you are with your own personality comfort. If you pour yourself into it. If you understand and if you want help in those areas, you get a handle on how much you've been forgiven for and it will produce lavish expression of affection. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, would there be anyone that would raise their hand and say, I don't know that I'm forgiven. I don't know for sure that I'm saved, but I want to get that settled. Please pray for me. If you're at home here, you say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Please pray for me. Just hold your hand up and put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to just pray for you. How many of you would say this? I, I am saved and I have been forgiven much. Raise your hand. Don't look around. Just raise it. You say, I'm saved, and I have been forgiven much. Man, that's great. Praise the Lord. So here's the next question. Does your life demonstrate lavish expression of affection? Because you are forgiven. Does your life demonstrate lavish expression of affection meaning are you looking for ways to pour out to Jesus 
Are you looking for ways to manifest your, uh, your gratitude towards him? Or are you content just giving him the bare minimum? Do you complain when you're required to give him a little bit more? Or do you live your life trying to express great appreciation, lavish appreciation for his forgiveness? I wonder if there would be anyone that would raise their hand, heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm not looking for a thing. I'm just looking for you to be honest towards God about your life. Say, my expression of gratitude is not what it ought to be. I act, I act like I'm doing God a favor. I get irritated and put out when I have to do a little more. And we're just talking about the basics of Christianity. There, I really, my expressions of lavish appreciation really need to increase towards God. And I need to start looking at a life lived in service to him as an opportunity to express my gratitude, whether it's how I sing in a church service or an attitude that I have at home or the way that I forgive someone or the way that I humble myself. There, there needs to be an increase in my understanding of forgiveness and in my expression of lavishness towards my Savior. I wonder with every head bowed, every eye closed, if anyone would raise their hand and say, I need to be more like that woman this morning. I need to be more like her in pouring out. Would you raise your hand before God? Oh, I see him all, all over the place. God bless you. Let's stand. Brother Nate, sing. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him this morning.